Have you ever wondered if your relationship struggles are normal? Or maybe you have wished you could just ask advice from a relationship expert. Or better yet, how about two experts? Well, I'm happy to tell you, you are in the right place. I am Dr. Morgan Cutlip. And I am Dr. John Van Epp. Morgan and I are both PhDs in psychology, relationship experts, authors, relationship course creators, and a father-daughter team who will bring our educational background, clinical experience, and research knowledge to real relationship concerns and challenges shared by our guests. Welcome to the Love Thanks Podcast, where we hope to empower you to better engage both your heart and your head in relationships so you can follow your heart without losing your mind. Let's get started. Hello, we are here today with Trisha and Dave. They are a couple who has just a really cool story. Trisha is a singer-songwriter whose last album was about processing her experience becoming a mom, and they wrote a song together on that album where they talked about their experience becoming parents, which is the topic of our podcast today. They've been married seven years and together 11 years and have a daughter who is five and a three-year-old son. And we're just really glad for you to be here with us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Yeah. We just want to welcome you. And I think a good starting point is, you know, when we're anticipating that first child entering into our lives, there's all these kind of images of what it's going to be like. So (laughs) Can you start by just telling us, like, what were you expecting uh, before your um, daughter was born? Well, I was expecting (laughs) that, you know, instant bond, all your instincts take over, and maybe you're a little tired, but you bring them out into the world and you show them to everybody, and then they just come with you to all of the things. And that's a very easy process. (laughs) And Dave, how about you? (laughs) Yeah, I was also expecting, you know, the storybook narrative. Um, But I think I was expecting to lose a lot of sleep, but to have this overwhelming feeling of joy and kind of, you know, the bliss of parenthood. Um, So all the marketing worked on Joyful sleeplessness, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love the pain. I just, I I live for it now. Yeah, exactly. And you just always have perspective about the joy, even though you're going through the pain. So I was expecting to have that like immediate bond. You know, everyone talks about when you see your kid for the first time, there's Mm -hmm. this immediate bond. And so I was expecting that and expecting that to just continue. And in, in your in your marriage <laughs> together, like there's a lot of expectations of what it's going to be like as we enter into the parenting phase of like, you know, we're a couple, you know, two individuals in love with each other. But now we're going to be a unit, you know, with a an offspring of our own. And so what, what were kind of the images that you had? Because I think a lot of people relate to these images. For I mean, sure. there's a lot of people who are like, hey, we've got problems in our marriage. We got to have a kid. Right. I mean, that was almost like a age old wisdom. You know, if you (laughs) have problems, go have another baby because that's going to fix your problems. But um, so that obviously there's must be a lot of idealism that we bring to what uh, children do to our marriage. So what were you guys thinking was going to be happening in your relationship? Well, I remember when we decided to have kids, Dave had been saying, you know, whenever you're ready, because we knew that we wanted to have children and, and grow a family that we knew that from conversations from dating. And so Dave was like, well, I'm ready when you are no pressure. But 
you know, whenever you're ready. And we were out for a walk one night, we were walking mm. the dog and I was like, I guess I'm ready. And then got pregnant that month. And yeah. so I don't think oh we goodness. really knew that we weren't ready, but we had had the conversations around it. Um, and, and we had had the conversations around, I would be primary parent at first. Cause I was going to build a career. I just finished my master's. I was going to build a career after and, you know, grow the fam. We would grow the family first. Yeah, I and I I'd say I was feeling pretty grounded and optimistic about <laughs> our relationship and viewing that as like this this will be the thing that gets us through a difficult time because you know mm-hmm. the newborn stage is you know is, is difficult even though there's a lot of sugar coating on that um on that but yeah so I was really optimistic and pretty at peace um with thinking yeah this is the person I want to do this with and feeling good about it so you guys so went in wanna, solid <laughs> yeah you went in solid and I, and solid. I don't want to yeah. um i don't want to cast a negative shadow on uh, all of that because there are these ideals but the reality oftentimes is very different what what was reality like for you when we became parents yeah yeah Um, well, it started with a really traumatic birth that ended up, um, transferred to the hospital from birthing center, emergency C-section, um, over a day. And so you were going to have a birthing center birth. Three hours of pushing (laughs) just, and then a transfer to the, uh, hospital. And so that was unexpected. Um, and then she was born and, and she was okay. And we were so grateful and then she had colic, which I don't know if, you know, whoever has not experienced colic, it's just, you cannot help your sweet little baby. And they just scream all the time. And there's mm-hmm. really not a lot of comfort for them. Um, and a lot of sleeplessness, a lot of, I had postpartum depression and anxiety, which wasn't, my master's is in applied positive psychology. So that's like <laughs> my personality. And I just didn't have any tools for postpartum depression, anxiety, wasn't expecting it, was kind of in denial about what it was to, um, and we just, and the communication was hard. It's hard to calmly talk over a screaming baby when you're <laughs> sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. Um, can't even hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Couldn't hear each other. Is it in the same room? Cause just the crying was nonstop. Mm-hmm. And like the only thing that did seem to calm her was, bouncing on this big exercise ball for hours on end holding her so we each had to like like messed up our backs entirely well and i was recovering from (laughs) an emergency c-section major abdominal surgery so i'm healing from like two births basically so it wasn't good yeah yeah (laughs) reality was very different to answer your question (laughs) i mean even if you were prepared for that entrance into parenthood it would have been hard but to go into parenthood with an expectation of bliss and joy and to feel connected um, to your baby right away and to have something so drastically different is just so much further to kind of fall in terms of that experience. So I just want to, I don't want to get us off course, but Dave, you said something a a couple times about this expectation of feeling that immediate connection. Mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm sort of inferring that maybe you didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this is a piece about parenthood that, that, it's starting to get talked about a little bit more, um, 
but maybe needs to be highlighted a little bit more, which is that's not always a natural thing that happens in the beginning when you meet your yeah. child, especially when they're screaming all the time. Yeah. I would love to highlight that because for me, it, you're right. Like I, I didn't have this immediate connection. I expected it to like be this visceral, almost crippling sensation of connection of like, you know, choirs in the background and <laughs> light and like just this immediate connection. And, you know, because of all we had been through in the preceding 32 hours or so, like we, when you finally got to hold the baby, it was, we were just in a state, you know, um, I, we hadn't slept in days. I thought, you know, we were going to lose Trisha for a little bit there. And it was a really emotional time. And then to be holding this innocent baby, you can't think about all the joy. You're just, you just went through hell, you know? Mm -hmm. And I felt such shame for months about that because that connection came slowly for me and it wasn't until we finally kind of got out of the house because you know you, you kind of live in a cocoon for a little bit with the newborn and you know we finally started to visit with some friends and I remember talking with uh you know a new dad he was a little bit he's maybe his kid was maybe I don't know a year older than ours and he was very vulnerable with me and and shared like, Hey, I didn't feel that connection either. And it wasn't until I actually heard from another dad that I like had permission to talk about it, you know, cause I just didn't, I felt just shame and embarrassed and mad and, you know, kind of spiraled about how I wasn't feeling the things I thought I should be feeling or that I was promised, you know? So there's a lot of resentment that builds in the background too. And it's hard to know where to put that. And so I think we, you know, the experience was so different than our expectations that we, we each kind of ended up projecting a lot of that on each other and, um, you know, and then projecting it on ourselves, telling ourselves all this negative talk about like how, you know, the thing I was a theme for me was like, I'm a bad dad because I didn't feel that. And really I was doing everything I could. You know, and I felt like looking back on it, we were pretty much superheroes those first couple of months, everything we had to like do and go through. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's, we were really hard on ourselves because of the the mismatch and expectations. So I think it needs to be talked about because more dads are probably going through that. As a husband, before you talked to that other dad, did you share any of that with Trisha? Did you let her into kind of your, your world of struggle with feeling bonded. And even you might even say, you know, happy you have this, this new child, mm -hmm. um, at times wondering, you know, was this really something that was where our relationship should have gone? And I mean, did, did that come out in your conversations with her? I think it did. Um, it was, it felt more of like I was admitting something, you know, <laughs> when it did come like out. Like a confession of something. Yeah, it was a bit <laughs> of a confession. And, you know, you try to offset it with some humor, being like, when, when is this child's parents coming? Let's, let's, <laughs> who's picking this baby up? But, uh, yeah, it came out in, in a few different ways. But I don't think it – I didn't feel – and she was always great at listening to my concerns, but, like, I didn't feel comfortable staying in that conversation very long because of how much shame I felt about that. Yeah. I think he's being a little generous there about me being a great listener because <laughs> one of the main struggles I had <laughs> was um, holding space for all of these new difficult and what felt like dark emotions with postpartum mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, 
and then being able to hold space for his. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't have any tools. It was easy and intuitive for me before kids. And after kids, I was like, all I have is going to keep this human alive and to keep me from breaking down. I don't have space for this. And I think that's why he, you know, it was like bits and pieces. So we were aware of each other's, you know, pains, but we weren't able to do much there. I think, I think superheroes is a pretty good word for it, but Mm -hmm. having compassion for us then, but at the time, yeah, we were really, it's like, I can't be enough for, for everyone in this situation, let alone each other. But I think that's actually like quite accurate in terms mm-hmm. of what the reality was, is that you didn't have enough to go around because to maintain composure and not, not I'm sure it, w- it would be like a miracle if you didn't lose it at some point when you have a kid screaming all the time, but to maintain composure while you have a child screaming and you're new to this and you don't, moms, we don't know, not, parents don't know what they're doing in the beginning most of the time. It's a really anxiety provoking time the shifts in hormones, your body's healing. I mean, all of your energy is going to keeping it together. Um, Mm -hmm. And so to welcome in any other stuff, I think is kind of like that tipping point where it feels really hard to hold any space. And then you have, I mean, just, we're not even talking about, you got all work demands and finances (laughs) and you got extended Mm -hmm. family that want to come over and see the baby. And so then you feel like you're doing like, you know, I got to put on a show you know, got to have the baby look right, be dressed right, look good. You know, you don't want to come in and see the house a mess and everything like, oh, you've really dropped the ball yeah. here, haven't you? So, you know, there's all this performance anxiety on top of it. And I mean, so we're not even covering all of that, but that yeah. that's in there as well. Yeah. And I, I it's like, um, you know, kids, having kids, raising kids is not like uh, if we do a, a track meet, analogy it is not like the you know running a 100 meter or a 200 meter or 400 meter i mean we're like okay this is this is a marathon i mean we're running you know we're running 20 miles you know what i mean that this sense, the yeah. fatigue factor is something after two months three months you don't really even like each other very well a lot of times in marriage we and this is not that. talked about Yeah. Yeah, A lot of our friends, when we finally kind of, when we were opening up and kind of coming back out, we joke about the four month fight because it Mm -hmm. seems like everyone had this four month fight. It was like four months in and everyone was at their breaking point. And, uh, and it's whenever we would talk about that and realize like, when was that for you? Oh, it was about four months. And when was that for you? Oh, about four Mm. months. And we're like, okay, so now. It's a thing. Yeah, when I have friends who are having their first, I'm like, just remember, there's a four month fight. And then when we had Oliver, or when we had our second, we, I was like, so we can anticipate four month fight. Around there, we gotta be extra compassionate with each (laughs) other. A whole lot of grace, because it's coming, and it did. Yeah, Um, just because there were other fights, but the four month was like uh, the fight. The two point fight. Yeah. Well, there's a big sleep regression around four months usually too. And I think I remember being like, What is this? I had no idea when that hit with our daughter, and it was insane. (laughs) I thought we were through the sleep stuff. So that yeah. that wears you down too. How did How you have did a second? How long did the colic last? I, I'm sorry, Morgan. <laughs> you the first time you went in blissfully unaware. The second time you're going in knowing what you know, and sometimes that's harder. And so, how did you come to the decision? 
Um, and how did you prepare differently the second time around? Well, I, I can actually remember when we decided we were sitting in like a pot belly sandwich shop. <laughs> Our daughter in her high chair. Yeah. She was, and they're close together. They're exactly two years apart. So. And we, were, we were having lunch and um, it, it, was a, it was a much more practical conversation because <laughs> we knew a little bit about what would be involved, right? And we're like, look, we always envisioned our family looking like this. It was kind of a long-term vision meet. Are we really like, if we're going to do it, now's the time. And it's kind of like that kind of conversation where it's, if we want a sibling for our child and we want to, you know, grow our family and have it change in specific ways, there was a, there's positive parts of the conversation too. Don't get me wrong, but it was also like a time bound, like, we, we knew we wanted to have siblings that were close in age because we thought that was important for that relationship. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, and I have, I have a lot of siblings too. Mm-hmm. And we are close in age and, um, yeah. And I think that we felt like, okay, now we know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, <laughs> it's always going to be different, which, you know, can't get any worse than what the first one was. Wasn't there a little yeah. bit of, uh, <laughs> Hey, yeah. man, we did talk know, about that. Might yeah. as well got that out of the way. Yeah, we, we're like, statistically speaking, we looked it up. <laughs> we shouldn't have another colicky baby. Because yeah. our, our daughter was colicky right. for five months. Impossible. Yeah. So Lightning funny. doesn't strike twice. Yeah. Surprise. Should have played the lottery. Sure does. Yeah. yeah. Should have played the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. Second yeah. colicky baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Luckily, that birth was, I mean, we kind of knew some more things around that. And that birth was, as as births go, the best possible experience I could have oh, hoped nice. for. Um, and so that, I mean, I had, I was in labor for two weeks, but apart from that, it was like the best (laughs) possible labor and situation, um, easy, but they were both, um, nine and a half pounds. So they were also Mm. difficult Mm -hmm. in births in general, but much better. We kind of had some more boundaries around expectations. Um, yeah, I think. We had talked a little bit more about, I kind of kicked Dave out of the bedroom for a little bit too, where I was like, we know at least one of us needs sleep. Yeah. We had different strategies about overnight, like handling baby in the middle of the night. Yeah. And we saved up. I think the best possible thing we Mm. get gifted ourselves was a postpartum doula at night. Mm. That's one big change we made is like from the beginning, we were like, we're, no, we're saving now because we think we might have another kid. We're going to yeah. save for a postpartum doula. And it was such a gift because yeah. three nights a week, I got six-ish hours. Or, I mean, it was interrupted for a feed, but I could like literally wake up and feed the baby and just hand her hand hmm. back. And so that was a game changer for us too because we yeah. both got sleep. Yeah. Gives you something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. I Can you talk about some of the other sort of strategies you apply differently? Like you alluded to some boundaries that you set differently, mm-hmm. some things like that. Can you sort of lay out some of the specific things you guys did? I think a doula is an amazing idea. Oh yeah. A po- oh, and I didn't know that postpartum doulas were a thing uh, until my sister had one and she was like, oh yeah, she, she takes the baby at night and I sleep. And I was like, what? So postpartum that exists? Doula, yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> Um, what was comical the first time around is we had pre-made a lot of meals in the mm. freezer and then the first three weeks, our freezer broke. Died. All, oh of my God. all the food so we had prepped. Guys. It, it was, was like a comedy of errors. The first, I mean, it's so our, funny yeah. now, but it's 
horrific. Oh, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. That was only yeah. one of like several things, but it, they were all of that nature where it's like, yeah, just nothing went to plan the first time around. Yeah. Oh, and so we gosh. kind of knew that this time around we did meal delivery services instead just to make it easier, like for meal prep and grocery shopping logistically. Um, yeah, we... <sighs> expectations around who was visiting and when yeah. just in case postpartum depression, like it's just a very vulnerable place to be. And mm-hmm. you can really only have people who you feel safe yeah. topless and leaking from everywhere in front of <laughs> that's uh, for the first six weeks at least, but 12 weeks really. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of had some more conversations around that. How about strategies for um, your first child being watched while you needed time alone or focus time or energy <laughs> with the second. So yeah. how did you, well, how did you plan strategies for that? Luckily she was in daycare. And so Dave and her had a really sweet kind of morning ritual. Yeah. They would, she, and he would drop her off and then bring some food back for me. And, um, and on weekends, you guys had some sweet routines where they would go to Starbucks together and like take their time walking around and playing outside. So we kind of had some, he really bonded, I think, <laughs> with our daughter at that time. Yeah, which was important because um, until that time, we hadn't bonded all that strongly. Of course, I loved her, but like it, you know, I, dads aren't moms um, <laughs> for, for newborns, you know, and um, it just like the connection wasn't as strong. And so like, with the second baby, that was, I had a lot of time with, um, with our daughter during that time. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for me because, you know, you go into that kind of scared. You're like, man, this, this is a difficult relationship. She's never really receptive to me, but that you have to have the opportunity. And thankfully kids are very forgiving to, <laughs> to keep trying, you know, and, um, that was my opportunity. And so, yeah, a lot of, a lot of daddy daughter time. Mm-hmm. We both in the meantime had started, therapy, like one-on-one therapy. So not mm-hmm. with each other, not couples therapy, but one-on-one because all these wounds come up when you become a parent. And mm-hmm. I don't think we were ex- expecting that either. But so we both kind of had someone to talk to, to share these things and felt a lot less shame around them and had the words to have the conversations with each other too, mm-hmm. which I think was also really helpful that we had our own therapy. Like we weren't expecting that of each other in that particular time frame. So we could provide emotional support, but not, hey, why do you, do you want to try this? Or what about that? You know, that kind of space and problem solving <laughs> together that we used to do. It was, it was, uh, we had someone else licensed help <laughs> for that. You guys are just like sharing such rich advice. And I, I appreciate Dave, how you're talking about these, these like moments of disconnection throughout your daughter's life, because I think it's really relatable and I think that there are a lot of parents, it's usually the dads, right? I mean, where, where the child or like young toddlerish doesn't want the dad. And I think mm-hmm. that it's common to take that personally. I think a lot of parents mm-hmm. get kind of offended. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, what do you don't, you don't want me, you know? And it's so nice to hear the story of you sort of stepping in and creating more opportunity to have time with her and to connect with her and um, develop that relationship. He did that so well, because there were many times I knew he was really scared of, of feeling rejected again, and he mm-hmm. would show up again and again. And That's yeah. parenting. That's what it's a good summary. There's a lot of rejections from these. I want to 
Yeah. I want to highlight, Dave, something you said about this specifically. You said, um, I think you said ritual, or maybe Tricia, you mentioned that he, he mm-hmm. had a sweet ritual. And I want to say, mm-hmm. you know, something that you did is the, a consistent routine of involvement, you know, even just like a regular going out to breakfast or taking her to school, but that consistent routine of involvement is essential for bonding. Mm-hmm. And, yep. um, and that, and you're right, you know, um, early on, if moms are breastfeeding, I mean, they, they can have all kinds of intimate one-on-one time and the opportunity for dads are, are a lot of times way more limited in the early kind of like infancy, but as soon as the toddler years start kicking in, right? Mm-hmm. Right around age two to three, <laughs> all of a sudden. Um, and unfortunately, I think a lot of dads are out of the, they're kind of out of the routine. You know, they haven't established any routines. And if they're not careful, they, they miss out on the opportunity that opens up right then to step in. But it was yeah. wonderful mm-hmm. that you did. And you're, your experience is totally the the payoff because yeah. it's the experience of the bond. And yeah. can you talk for a second, how did you bonding with the daughter actually help Trisha? Well, you might be better to answer that, but I, you know, I, um, <laughs> I think it emotionally was a, probably a relief to Trisha. Cause I think, um, you know, she cares very deeply about my happiness too. And I think it was always a weight, you know, knowing that I was struggling to connect, um, you know, consistently with our daughter and, and, you know, with my son too, when he was just born, it was a little slightly different there, but I think she wanted so badly for that to be better and to fix that and to try and help that, that when she saw it happening, I think it was a big relief for you. I don't know. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, a lot of gratitude around that too. And maybe a bit selfishly or practically speaking, I felt like there was some emotional weight lifted in terms of my responsibility. For sure. And you may guess from the conversation, I have a people pleasing tendency. (laughs) So (laughs) even with the, you know, our kids and I would, I would want to help them feel better or, you know, feel that emotional responsibility for everyone, Dave included. And then I could see he could do that for her. Too now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that was like, it felt very, um, well, I was really grateful that he kept showing up and trying again and again, cause I knew that that was tough. Um, and then also felt really grateful that I could see their bond and it was really beautiful thing to grow. And then logistically speaking, I had a little less on my plate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I, like- I mean, I- I want to affirm that that's just not selfish. That's not, no, it's very, like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a very, it's, it's just very fulfilling because, mm-hmm. uh, what you, one of the things that as a parent you want is your partner to be bonded and close and a good parent to your, to your own children. So part of what you want altruistically, lovingly for your own child is that they have a strong relationship with the parent, you know, their other parent, right? It's part of that, that kind of like undefined, almost unconscious feeling that is floating around, you know, and if it's not happening, which is kind of natural for a while, 
then it it just feels like this unfulfilled sense of mm-hmm. what there's something missing here. And then when you see it, it just is all like puzzle pieces coming together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we're going to be okay. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. We've, we've been in the thick of it. We're going to be okay. Yeah. 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 As and if a you were a family unit. Oh, yeah. And if you were feeling some of the burden of responsibility for their relationship, I would imagine you felt lighter when you saw all of it start clicking and coming together. Yeah. So I, I really want to know from the two of you in terms of your relationship, we're talking a lot about your relationship with your children, but in terms of your relationship, what, um, like what kind of, what, what happened through this experience that you look back and you're like, we really grew in these important ways because of what we went through, um, in our introduction to becoming parents. I think a lot, I'll start, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, we, we broke in a lot of ways, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to acknowledge that. And in repairing, I think just like a body does it, you repair stronger because you, Mm -hmm. you learn from that. We had to learn how to like argue better, how to fight better and not, not to win, but to like communicate, communicate. And, um, that was a skill that, I mean, it takes practice to do that. And, and luckily we had a lot of opportunities to do that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we employ those skills on a daily basis now, I think. And, um, you know, we, we kind of just learned where our own limits were. And I think that's super important because we can recognize that in ourselves and help the other person help you <laughs> in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but also kind of see that pattern, those patterns in, in your partner, you know, is really important because you can, you can um, quickly kind of identify trigger moments and then react to that and in a better way than just this emotional reaction. Mm -hmm. And we did couples therapy to get some of those tools. Yeah. We had to really work at that. Yeah. And then I think kind of the marathon analogy is good here too, that in our marriage, that it, it felt more, um, that there would be phases, mm-hmm. that there would be phases where we can be, you know, we met and we were going on lots of dates and it was very passionate. And then we had this grounded sense of love and that was wonderful. And then this really difficult stage of introduction to parenthood, it's not as beautiful. It's really messy, but a lot of growth happens from there. And then kind of knowing like, Hey, I'm looking forward to going on date. I mean, COVID kind of put a little <laughs> trouble around going on dates again. <laughs> <laughs> going on yeah. getting babysitters and time away just us but um you know that there will be phases and that it's long-term game here and so there's a little more i would say like grace and forgiveness around those difficult moments like i make less of a story around will mm-hmm. this work won't this work it's a bit more like this is a bumpy part mm-hmm. yeah i love that because da- um john has a has a saying the myth of the eternal present which is what you're talking about, which I think is so key for couples to remember, which is that just because it's this way right now doesn't mean it's going to be this way forever. It's not going to feel like this forever. And it sounds like that was a big lesson you took away, which is this is a season, it will pass, and, and another one is kind of around the corner. And we can we can navigate this and become more equipped to handle it better and in different ways. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you had quit divorced, broke up. I mean, 
this happens to couples in the moment of exhaustion, mm-hmm. they're in a moment. And just like Morgan said, it feels like it's a never ending moment. This is how it's always going to be. We've lost our relationship, but how wonderful what, I mean, you, you know, you talk about second wind. I think of it like we got to get our second wind again. I mean, you do that <laughs> over and over and over, but it is through the persevering that you begin to realize oh our our journey has now a whole different landscape but it's a it's actually this is a this is a very different landscape but it's a beautiful like wow i can't believe this what we're seeing now in this landscape i thought it was like going to be just a a horrible storm but it's just broke to have you know beauty and rainbows and growth and you know, that's all that storm brought about was uh, new growth. And we see this and that. And I mean, it's this, this persevering and perspective is something that many of us have to really embrace and um, take to heart that it is only with the persevering that the new perspective arises. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for couples who are just kind of entering into parenthood or who are expecting and it's right around the corner for them. I would say for couples who are expecting, I don't know that there was anything anybody could have said to me (laughs) that people would try and I would just kind of be like, let me do me. And so for couples who are expecting, I think I would say, you know, you know, be brave and, and listen to yourself and, um, welcome to the ride and uh, couples who are going through it right now that newborn just becoming parents and that they're not alone and it's tough and that's okay but it's Mm -hmm. tough yeah i think that what i i'm just thinking back through when i've talked to you know friends who are expecting what i've told them and it it tends to be that kind of there's a two there's two sides to the advice now it's like it's it's going to be great but it's okay if it's not you know, to summarize it. And I think that's, I think people need to hear that because everyone's experience is going to drastically differ and you never want to like rain on the parade, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think it's okay to say there's a lot of really amazing moments and you should really spend a lot of time there emotionally and thinking about that and like feeling into that. But there are are also really hard moments that nobody talks about Mm -hmm. and then those are okay. It doesn't mean the whole thing is bad. And I just, I, I just want to reiterate something that, you know, Dave, you, you love Trisha and kept giving to her and trying to be understanding of her. And, you know, postpartum depression almost changes your personality. It's like a personality transformation for a period of time. And to believe that it, you know, the real, you know, the real Trisha is there still somewhere. And Trisha, even though you were exhausted, you he would come to you and he would talk, whether he was joking, like, when are the parents coming? Like, right? He said things like that. But <laughs> he, I, I heard you say, you know, I didn't have much, much space to give to him. I was just trying to manage myself. But in the midst of that, I, I did hear that you were giving to him. It maybe wasn't mm-hmm. all that you wanted, but I think Dave would say, yeah, she was. She was, she was there. She was part of me. And that is something that uh, I just think that parents, before that baby enters this world, they got to look at each other, take each other's hand and say, I, I don't know what exactly is going to happen to you after this baby is born. 
or what we're going to go through or what this baby is going to be like, but we're, we're going to not quit on each other. We're going to hang mm -hmm. in there. We're going to walk together. We're going to learn from each other. We're going to listen to each other. I think there needs to be that kind of, you know, you guys are songwriters that, that chorus to the <laughs> song of their relationship. Uh, the chorus too, that song that we wrote four years after is love me anyway. And it's kind of saying like, I'm not in the, mm -hmm. like, I'm going to be mean to you and love me anyway, not in that kind of sense, <laughs> but like, we're going to have grace for each other and love me anyway. And I think that the arc it takes is really kind of takes you through the grit and out on the other side. And we had also written a song for our wedding called our wedding day. And that the chorus to that is choosing you every step of the way. Like it's that choice. Mm -hmm. that you're going to show up for each other. And, and that one's definitely more, <laughs> a little more optimistic. It's for a wedding day, <laughs> but yeah. we haven't had kids yet. <laughs> Those themes really come through as you talk about your experience. And I think when the, the um, comment John's referring to, when you said, you know, you held the space for me and you're like, I think that's being a bit generous, but I think that the, you both are mutually generous to one another in lots of ways. And I think that was such a, um, an important piece of your story and how you showed up for each other and um, supported each other along the way and offered so much grace. So you. you guys- It was a skill. It was a skill yeah. we had to build because I think we didn't have a whole lot at the beginning. So just in case someone's like, well, I'm not a very gracious, gracious person. It, we've <laughs> you had can to learn. build that skill. You can learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much, you guys. We are going to link your song and we'll link your Instagram so everyone can find you and learn more about you. But you just shared so much wisdom and relatable moments and stories and just appreciate your vulnerability and, and spending this time with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for, having for having us and for all that you're doing to help everyone <laughs> sort out relationships because it's a long game. Ugh, it really is. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you for tuning in. You can learn more about the Love Things content by hanging out with Dr. Morgan on Instagram at mylovethings or visit our blog at mylovethings.com. And we're happy to offer an affordable subscription to the Love Things membership where you will gain access to a library of videos and resources on a wide range of relationship topics. Also included are monthly live Q&As where we answer relationship questions and discuss relevant relationship issues. All this and more can be found on mylovethinks.com. And remember, the best relationships are those where you follow your heart without losing your mind. Mm -hmm.